It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like person. me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. And good Friday morning, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for... Sister Sandy today, and uh, always a pleasure to be with you folks. You are some of the, the best of radio audiences that there are out there. And uh, I, I tell you what, uh, I appreciate Sandy so much. She stays on the cusp of what is breaking news out there, and I appreciate that so much, informing you folks of what's going on. And uh, I, I love the intro to this program because it really sets the stage, uh, certainly for what's going on in our country. Joe Biden has been president of the United States for just over 40 days. He has managed, among other things, to create a crisis on our southern border that is unprecedented. And I don't use that word lightly, that that we've ever seen. Now, just to review, When Donald Trump was president of the United States, when he was running for president and as president, one of the things his major priority was securing our southern border. So much so that the things that he put in place brought illegal crossings to historic lows. And he accomplished that, we know, about building the wall, building a wall that really worked. Unfortunately, he had to work against Democrats and even some Republicans to get financing. He also put agreements in place with Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador so that they would keep people there while they applied for asylum. He also had the Remain in Mexico program, which dealt with that also. He also ended catch and release. That had made made prominent under previous administrations. Basically, people who managed to get across the border and release them into the American public to show up at some hearing, perhaps some of them two years from now. And of course, many of them, most of them probably did not show up. So he put all those things in place. And as I say, it brought illegal crossings at our southern border to historic lows. All right, so here we are, just over 40 days into the Biden administration. Let me give you some numbers. And these are official numbers, folks. In January, there were roughly 47 crossings per day, attempted crossings per day of minors, unaccompanied minors, 47 per day. You know what it is right now? As of this morning, It is now up to 321 a day. Do the math. 
321 a day as opposed to 47 just over a month and a half ago. So much so that this morning there are more than 7,000 kids, unaccompanied minors, that have come across the border in custody. There are thousands more entering the country. We heard the tragic story earlier this week of this vehicle that broke through a fence. By the way, a, a fence, that's what it was. It wasn't a secure fence like Trump was putting in place. And it ended up in the tragic death of 13 people, injuries to others. Now that is what we're facing. Now, what is the Biden administration's response to this crisis? Oh, by the way, we're also releasing people who cross the border illegally who have tested positive for COVID. We're putting them on buses and they're spreading out throughout the United States. So that's the situation as of this morning. So White House spokesperson Jen Psaki was asked about this yesterday. Here's the response to this crisis unfolding on our southern border. Cut number nine. Certainly one of our concerns is that um, there are, there is, a, you know, as we were talking about earlier, an influx of kids at uh, a rate and a pace um, that uh, is going to require us to, uh, you know, make considerations about where we're going to safely house them. Yeah, uh, an influx of kids. That's putting it mildly. You know why they're showing up in record numbers? It's because during the campaign, Joe Biden announced he was going to do all of these things. Have you seen some of the pictures, folks? Some of these people showing up at the border as they uh, uh, intend to cross the border illegally are wearing Joe Biden T-shirts. As somebody asked this morning, I was listening to Fox and Friends, gee, where did they get those T-shirts? <laughs> are Joe Biden campaign people down across the southern border handing out Joe Biden shirts? They love Joe Biden because Joe Biden's letting thousands of people in across, as I said, just unaccompanied minors, 7,000 as of this morning. They don't know what to do with it. It's crazy. Stephen Miller is a uh, former uh, Trump advisor. Here's what he had to say about this. Cut 11. A hundred percent of minors traveling alone, many of them teenagers, are being resettled and released all throughout the United States, all 50 states. But what they're not telling you is that most family units are now also being released too. And that's why we're seeing now 4,000 apprehensions a day. Because word has spread, not just in Central America, but throughout the world, that if you come as a family or as a minor, you're going to be released. The majority of family units are now being released into the interior of the country. And a lot of them are going to go into communities that don't have the hospital capacity or the healthcare resources to deal with them. So this really exacerbates a public health crisis in addition to a national security crisis. And listen to that, folks. You know, it's, uh, there was a Democrat congressman this week who is, comes from the southern border, a southern border district. And he, he put it this way. He said, people who live 1,500 miles from the border should not be making policy that has an incredible impact on American citizens who live on our southern border. One of those citizens is Emily Lord King. Listen to her as she talks about 
what she faces on a daily basis in her backyard. And I'm talking about her backyard where her kids play. Cut number 10. In the last 45 days, we've seen more illegal traffic, um, car wrecks right through our fences. We had two Border Patrol agents um, on our property trying to um, apprehend 10 um, illegal immigrants. And those numbers just don't add up. It left, they caught one. And so there were nine left on our property. How do you sleep at night with, with that, um, with a one-year-old in her bed trying to sleep as well? You don't know what these people's intentions are when they are on your property. Um, you don't know if they're armed, if they're carrying drugs or what. So, um, no, I don't feel that we're, our communities are prepared for what we're seeing and probably going to see for much longer in the future. Let me make a prediction. Despite the fact that we now have a verified, documented crisis on our southern border, I doubt very much that President Joe Biden is going to head to the border to deal with this. I doubt very much you're going to see any images of Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer down on the southern border saying, look what a great job we're doing. No, it's left to these individuals, the people who live down there, people like Sheriff Mark Daniels of Cochise County, Arizona. Listen to what he has to say about what he deals with as a sheriff on our southern border, cut 13. They, when President Biden rescinded the emergency order on the southwest border, it stopped resources and stopped construction on our border. As a result of that, uh, one area where the fence is not complete, we get five or six groups a day coming across there. Uh, it's opened up the border. It opened up the mess okay to come in this country. This administration owns this decision, and what it's doing is it's forcing us back to 2019 where we had the largest, what I call, crime scene in the country to include the largest humanitarian uh, situation going on. It's wide open right now. It's wide open, and with the uh, chaos going on the border based on these administrative decisions, we saw this in 2019, Brian, where 141 countries breached our southwest border in the first nine months, over 1,000 gang members, 822 assaults on agents. Uh, 800 and um, 271 deaths on our border. This is a crime scene, and this is what we just put together. We had it. We had right. it under control. This is frustrating, and now it's going back to 2019. It's, it's frustrating. Frustrating. No kidding. Like I say, and, and and the other part of the problem right now, folks, is you're not going to hear this kind of reporting on this crisis on the mainstream media. You listen to the mainstream media, you're not going to hear. You're not going to hear them talk about 321 uh, unaccompanied minors parading through our border on a daily basis now. Of the more than 7,000 of these kids in custody. And as you just heard also, they're being paired up now with uh, adult family members and they're being released into the country. Even those that test COVID positive. You know, Joe Biden the other day, calls the governors of Texas and Mississippi, uh, basically calls them Neanderthals for saying they're ending the mask mandate. But Joe Biden is allowing people to come into this country. They're testing COVID positive, putting them on buses and spreading throughout the country. I told you earlier, there's a uh, one Democratic congressman from a border state, Gonzalez is his name. Listen to what he had to say earlier this week now, he's a Democrat, 
This is what he's telling the Biden administration and their immigration crisis that they have created. Cut eight. My concern at this in the recent weeks in my district, migrants who made it across the border, who uh, even passed the line of MPPs who are 5,000 uh, folks that, are st that have been waiting for two years across the border, made it across the Rio Grande Valley, were processed and released. If that is the message that we send to Central America and around the world, I can assure you it won't be long before we have tens of thousands of people showing up to our border and it'll be catastrophic for our party, for our country, for my region, for my district. Uh, in, a, in the middle of a pandemic in an area where we've lost over 3,000 people in my small congressional district. So I think we need to have a, a better plan in place. I think uh, we sh asylum seekers should be able to ask for asylum and be processed in their home country or a neighboring country. And uh, we shouldn't have a policy in place that uh, impulses people to make this 2,000-mile trek. Yeah. Now, do you think, uh, I, I respect Congressman Gonzalez for being honest. He's an honest Democrat. But Congressman Gonzalez, if you were listening this morning, I have bad news for you. The Biden administration is not going to listen to your concern. Because the Biden administration listens to Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and AOC and the far left of their party. And because those people don't live anywhere near our southern border, that they stay in their nice, secure homes. Chuck Schumer in New York and Nancy Pelosi in San Francisco. And when they're in Washington, they're all safe. They don't care about what's happening on our southern border. They have a policy to allow as many illegals into this country. Joe Biden has says he's working on a program to make them citizens. So guess what? They can vote Democrat. We have a crisis and this administration doesn't care. They also don't care how they're spending taxpayers' money. We're going to talk about this $1.9 trillion COVID package. There are things in there that you would not believe. And how much of it's going to help the COVID uh, situation in this country, it's going to shock you how much of that money really deals with the COVID problem. That and much more. When we come back to this Friday edition of Sandy Rios in the Morning, Fred sitting in. Don't go away, folks. Much more. Maybe you've heard about MediShare and you know what it is. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance, but you've wondered, can I really save a significant amount of money on my monthly health care bills? And the answer is an emphatic, yes, you can. You could save a lot of money, whether it's just for you or for an entire family. MediShare has an option for you. In fact, the typical family saves $500 a month switching to MediShare. And it really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. You get free telehealth services. You get a huge network of doctors. You get great customer support. And you get the sense of security that comes from being a part of 400,000 people who share not just each other's medical bills, but purpose, too. MediShare is a community of Christians who pull together and pray for each other, which is very refreshing right now. If you want more info, it's so simple. You can get a price within two minutes. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today, we pray for Tom Vilsack, United States Secretary of Agriculture. His department develops and executes federal laws relating to farming, forestry, and food. Genesis 8.22 reminds us of God's blessings of lands. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Tom Vilsack as he leads the Department of Agriculture. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Pray with us as we lift up each state's freshman senators and representatives as part of our 2021 Bold Initiative. Learn more at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Virginia teachers, take the lead in education with up to 64% off your graduate degree at Liberty University. This year has forced you to innovate, adapt, overcome, and you've not only risen to the challenge, you've crushed it. Now help education emerge from this crisis stronger than ever with your MAT or MED degree. Our transfer-friendly degree programs are 100% online and start as low as $282 per credit hour. It's our thanks for all you do for our future. To learn more, text TEACHER to 49595. That's TEACHER to 49595. There's been a lot of controversy over the stage design at CPAC. Some say the design bears a striking resemblance to an obscure Nazi symbol. CPAC was ridiculed brutally by the mainstream media, accused of sending some sort of covert message that conservatives harbor Nazi tendencies. It was all untrue, of course, but that did not matter. The media jumped on the story and the fictional narrative became fact. But now we know what really happened. Turns out the company that came up with the design is an organization with ties to President Biden and Google. Design Foundry is a stage design firm based in Maryland, and they said there was never any intent to create something that resembled a Nazi symbol. In other words, no conspiracy. Now, the great irony is that the radical propagandists who populate many of our national newsrooms have much more in common with the Nazis than CPAC does. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to the Friday edition of Sandy Rios in the morning. Fred Jackson sitting in for Sandy. You know, while we were sleeping overnight, there was some activity in the U.S. Senate. Oh, I could say something, but I'm not going to. There was some activity. Republican Senator Ron Johnson asked for the 628-page COVID-19 relief bill to be read aloud. Now, why did he do that? He wanted it on the record. All the stuff that's in there that has nothing to do with COVID relief. So he gets up at, at, some, at some points during the night, I'm, I'm told, he was the only one in the chamber as the clerks read this 628-page measure. He said, you know, part of the move basically was dri- driven by the, the Democrats are ramming through an overpriced bill, disregarding the fact that because of growing vaccinations, other signs, that the pandemic ordeal is beginning to ease. Instead of heading into a dark tunnel, we're exhilarating on it, 
Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says of this bill. By the way, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office estimates economic growth will exceed 4% this year without Biden's rescue package. 4% economic growth is incredible. This is the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office. That's what they estimate. You don't need this $1.9 trillion package. Things are going to improve because the pandemic is going away. Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Listen to what she has to say about the real content of this Democrat pork barrel COVID-19 $1.9 trillion package. Cut 12. I will be a no vote on this. When you have a bill that only 9%, 9% is there for COVID relief, the rest is going to arts, humanities, transportation, bailouts for the big blue states. This is a way that they are going to prepay the advancement of their socialist agenda. This is what they're going to use to say thank you to some of their big donors. And fortunately, Pelosi's subway, that earmark was pulled out because people were so up in arms. These things have nothing to do with targeted relief for Americans who were suffering because of COVID. So here we are, just over 40 days into the Biden administration. <clears throat> As we just talked about a few moments ago, we have a verifiable crisis on our southern border. And now we have Democrats hoping to push through this $1.9 trillion dollar package. And only 9% of it has, <clears throat> has something to do with COVID relief. Unbelievable. But perhaps we should believe it because this is what the Democrats promised during the election campaign. All right, get reaction to all of this. We have our good friend Gary Bauer from Campaign for Working Families. Gary joins us from Washington, D.C. this morning. Good morning, Gary. Hey, good morning, Fred. Let me begin by saying I've got great sympathy for you. Uh, all of us should be choking up <laughs> reading what's in this bill. Wow, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Gary, let's first, but we spent the first 15 minutes talking about this crisis on our southern border. I mean, I mean, people don't understand. We talked about the number of miners now coming across the border compared to January. 47 in January. Unaccompanied miners, 321 a day. Now 7,000 kids being kept in custody. I mean, Joe Biden has gotten rid of all the things that secured our southern border. We have a crisis down there, and they're twiddling their thumbs, the Democrats in Washington, D.C. Yeah, you know, Fred, this is, uh, this is, I, I really, I, I lose the ability to come up with appropriate uh, adjectives. Uh, the country's been facing a lot of crises, you know, in, in, uh, in recent years. None, none more shocking than when we found out a disease was headed our way from communist China and all the things that have happened in the last year as we've dealt with that. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's all kinds of foreign policy crises that we have no control over, but we have to deal with. But this crisis at the border, it is completely made in America. It's, it's a crisis that Joe Biden caused. He took office with the border under control. The wall was being built. 
People were waiting in Mexico for their court dates in the United States. Illegal immigration had plummeted. Uh, communities all over America were no longer having their schools and health care systems uh, under pressure. And Biden gets in, and he couldn't wait to undo all the things that we did, that the Trump administration did, to secure the border. And I, I, I can't help but notice the irony, uh, Fred, that while we're taking down the fencing and wall and uh, refusing to put it up where it's needed on the border, uh, the Democrats have erected fencing all around uh, the Capitol building mm. and refused to take that down uh, because I think they're afraid of how angry the American people might be about some of the stuff that's being rammed down our throats right now. Gary, what is, what, what is motivating Democrats to do this? Well, why, they know this crisis is occurring. Uh, they, they will not, of course, admit it publicly, they, but they know this crisis is occurring. So what, what is motivating them to allow this to happen to our country? You know, I think a lot of things come into play here. First of all, the, the radical left, the, 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 not just liberals, but the radical left is the up-and-coming force within the Democrat Party. Uh, and these are, are, are basically folks that uh, don't believe they're, they don't even believe in nations, let alone uh, the concept of borders. And so the, they are constantly pressuring uh, the Democrat Party, and, and most of the leadership of the Democrat Party is quite happy to go along. But it's people like AOC and Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and Ilhan Omar and so forth, they want open borders. And I think at the end of the day, it's, there's a number of reasons. I think they believe that the, the, those are future voters for them, uh, so it will help them guarantee majorities for the left uh, in the decades ahead. But I think it's also uh, a, a belief in that they don't hide it, that America is a bad place, that America was evil from its very beginning. So if you think this is a, a terrible place, that we've been evil from our beginning, that it's a country of white supremacy, et cetera, then you want to completely transform it. And the way you completely transform it is literally bring in millions of people from third world countries uh, that in many cases will not share a lot of the values that we do. It's amazing. Not only reckless when it comes to a, a border policy, but also, as we've just been talking about, this $1.9 trillion COVID-19 package, as Senator Marshall Blackburn of Tennessee pointed out, only 9% of it is really going to help people. The rest is pure Democratic Party pork barreling. Yeah, you know, Fred, I, I, I think a lot of people uh, get confused about these things, and it's understandable because our media is, is so one-sided. But I want to make this absolutely clear. I think everybody, almost everybody, believes that people who've lost their jobs or lost their businesses because of the coronavirus uh, pandemic uh, need financial help. If Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and President Biden had promoted a bill that would have sent all those people a $1,400 check, which is in this bill, mm. but if they would have promoted just that, it would have been a unanimous vote in the House and Senate. There wouldn't have been any division about that. It's not that Republicans or conservatives don't want hurting Americans to get financial assistance in the middle of a a medical crisis, it's that the Democrats have used the excuse of the pandemic 
to throw hundreds of billions of dollars at all of their pet projects that they wouldn't be able to get through the Congress otherwise in an up or down vote, including uh, millions and millions of dollars, for example, for Planned Parenthood. How exactly was Planned Parenthood hurt by the coronavirus, and why are we giving a death-dealing organization millions and millions of dollars in a bill that's supposed to help stop people from dying from a virus? It's amazing. Well, Gary, while these, these things are happening, other things are also happening the Democrats are pushing through, something called H.R. 1. And again, the mainstream media is not covering this the way it should, but this would radically change and put in place some of the radical moves of executives in places like Pennsylvania in the last election. Uh, basically, it would take control of our elections, give it to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and take it away from the states. Talk about it. Yeah, and, and notice the number on the bill, uh, Fred, H.R. <laughs> 1. Uh, th th it was the first bill they introduced in the Congress once they got control, kept control of the House, and essentially got control of the Senate and have a, a Democrat president in the White House. It wasn't a bill to help you deal with the coronavirus or to lower your taxes. The first bill they introduced, H.R. 1, was a bill whose purpose is an effort to guarantee the left will never lose another election in America. So uh, you touched on some of the low points of the legislation. Uh, it, it basically mandates voter harvesting, where uh, somebody goes door to door and says, hey, I'll wait here while you vote, and then I'll even take the ballot to the voting place for you. Hmm. Well, of course, that's, that's wide open for cheating. It, the legislation requires mail-in voting, not allows it, requires it, and outlaws any kind of real requirement for ID so you can make sure that who mailed in the ballot actually is a legal voter. And, and Fred, let me just do a little detour here. I, I got, in the, in the recent race in Georgia where the two Senate seats were lost, I got emails from many people on our email list in Georgia saying they went to vote, and when they went to vote, they were told by the voting people, I'm uh, sorry, you can't vote. You already voted by absentee ballot. <laughs> and these people said, no, I didn't. I never vote by absentee ballot. So I know there was cheating going on. How much? We haven't figured out because there haven't been good investigations. But I know it took place. There's no question about it. So it goes on and on and on. Where's one of the big places in America where Democrats get a bunch of liberal votes uh, on our university campuses? This legislation requires every university in America to have an election coordinator on campus to make sure every student is getting everything they need in order to make sure they'll be able to cast a ballot. It just goes on and on. It's a disaster. It's an embarrassment. And again, it passed with every Democrat in the House of Representatives voting for it. And uh, it's going to be a battle to stop it in the United States Senate. You know, Gary, uh, with all of these things going on and now being manifested for the public to see what the real agenda of the Democratic Party is, you would think it would be a walk in the park for Republicans to gain control of the House, 
and gain control of the Senate in 2022. But the Republican Party, as you're well aware, has got some housekeeping to do and to deal with the divisions. Are they going to be able to do it? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think there's that much division at the grassroots level. I think mm. the Republican Party is now a populist conservative party. Uh, and if Republicans put up candidates that not only want smaller government and lower taxes and a strong national defense, but also candidates that want America first, that believe America is a decent, good country, and that our children ought to be taught that in school, uh, candidates that are willing to fight on these cultural issues, the idiocy that's going on on gender issues and uh, related sorts of things to, you know, related to the sanctity of life and religious liberty and so forth. I, I think that the Republicans would get back the House easily and, uh, and probably get back into a two- or three- or four-seat majority in the Senate. But there's still this rump group of powerful uh, people in the Republican Party. They're mostly in the big business community, and there are a bunch of them here in Washington, D.C., that we call Never Trumpers. They have a lot of influence. They have a lot of money. And the party is going to have to overcome those folks if it hopes to be, be victorious and save the country. Is it still Donald Trump's Republican Party? I think Donald Trump's views certainly are the prevailing view in uh, the Republican Party. And if there were primaries held today, I have no doubt that Donald Trump uh, would win the nomination again. I don't know what he's going to do in four years, but I believe that it's inconceivable the Republican Party would nominate anybody other than Donald Trump or a candidate who clearly is showing that he has embraced the Trump agenda that we saw uh, being implemented the last four years. Gary, always great to talk to you. Gary Bauer, Campaign for Working Families. You have a terrific end-of-day uh, email that you send out each day. Where can we get it? Uh, thank you, Fred. You can go to OurAmericanValues.org. OurAmericanValues.org. Folks, I get it every day. It is terrific. you got to sign up for this. Gary Bauer, thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. Have a great day. All right. Time to hear from you folks right now. 888-589-8840. You learned something about the crisis on the southern border this morning? What's going to be done about it? Your feelings on that? 888-589-8840. We'll listen to you when we come back here on Sandy Rios in the morning on a Friday. All of us who at one time or another have been afraid of disapproval and have in our own way denied the Lord. All we have to do is come back and ask for forgiveness and the Lord will forgive us. And as we're going to see, he can do more than forgive us. He can change us. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, What Are You Afraid Of? Next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The city lies four square, its length, width, and height all equal, 1,380 miles for each dimension. The city's wall is 216 feet high, 12 gates around the city, with each gate made of a single pearl. Streets of gold so pure, they're translucent. No need for a sun, God's glory lights the city. No tears, no pain. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. In the rush to celebrate sexual abnormality, minor children are being pressured by irresponsible adults into making irreversible decisions to change their sex, a biological impossibility. They're administered puberty blockers that prevent their bodies from developing the sexual characteristics God intended them to have. Many undergo terrible surgical mutilations and a demonically inspired attempt to make their bodies look like they belong to a different sex altogether. But 90% of teens will resolve these issues naturally by the end of adolescence. Alabama is leading the way by passing a bill that would make it a crime to administer puberty blockers or perform sex change surgery on minors. Let's hope and pray that every other state in the union will protect children in exactly the same way. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Yesterday, a Senate committee approved Congresswoman Deb Hallin's nomination to be the next Secretary of the Interior Department. If confirmed, she would be the first female and the first Native American in that job. She would also be the first cabinet member in memory to be openly promoted and aggressively supported by the Communist Party of the United States of America. Why would the CPUSA want its candidate to lead the Interior Department? Maybe it's because Deb Haaland is ideologically aligned with such Marxists. Would be in charge of federal lands that make up one-fifth of the U.S. Could help prevent exploitation of energy and other resources from such lands and promote her radical agenda with other American Indians. These would seem to be good reasons why the rest of us would not want Representative Haaland to be the next Interior Secretary. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And we're heading to the phones in just a second. I I saw this story this morning on Fox News. Uh, Hard to believe, but maybe it shouldn't. Here's the headline. Baltimore high school student fails all but three classes over four years, but is still ranked near the top of his class. I'm not kidding, folks. Baltimore High School student passed all but three classes over four years and still graduated near the top of his class with a 0.13 grade point average. Now, the story quotes his mom, Tiffany France. She thought her son would be receiving his diploma from Augusta Fells Savage Institute of Visual Arts in June. However, she was surprised to discover that he's being sent back to the ninth grade to start over. 
Now she didn't, she wasn't aware because the school didn't report it to her that her son failed 22 classes and was later absent 272 days over his first three years of high school. Only one teacher requested a parent-teacher conference. But France said that didn't happen. <coughs> Despite this, her son still ranked 62nd in his class of 120 total students. <laughs> Passed only, what, three classes over a four-year period and finishes near the top of his class. What's going on in our nation's schools, folks? I bet you there was a whole lot of socialist indoctrination going on. <laughs> but when it comes to math, when it comes to reading, ah, we don't need that. Mm. And once again, there are some great public school teachers, folks. There's some great public schools out there. But I think it's an atrocity that billions of dollars, taxpayers' money, goes to a school system that does that kind of thing. One of the other crises in our country. All right, head to our phones, 888-589-8840. And Leslie from Texas, good morning to you. Go ahead. Good morning, Fred. My comment's kind of crazy, but there is a line in Lord of the Rings where the company parts ways, and each has some legitimate reason for doing so. But it's such a tense time, and the author says, it was as if a madness had come over the company. And I feel like our country is in that madness. And naturally, I do feel it is driven by the spiritual warfare that's going on. And that's kind of a crazy comment, but it's terrible. And one example, which I forgot to say, is they're kind of upset because Texas is letting us have no mask rule again. <laughs> and there's and the CDC is saying, well, you need to follow the science. And I'm like, no self-respecting person who voted for this administration can ever say to me, follow the science, when we're saying that males are no longer males and <laughs> females are no longer females, until they come to some magic age of the self-determination as to what they are. But we don't apply that same standard to our skin color or our height or anything else that determines who or what we are. So we're in a completely blank world, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, uh, never describe uh, the, policies that, the policies that we're seeing from the Joe Biden administration as logical. Simply not you've been listening this morning, you've heard about the crisis on our southern border, which is just exploding, exploding down there. And the White House, oh, um, yeah, we have a situation, and, 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 and it's a challenge, a challenge. Over 7,000 kids being kept in camps down there. And then when adults come across, they put them together, and they release them into the country. Uh, it's just, and then you have this COVID-19 $1.9 trillion package, as we heard from Senator uh, Marsha Blackburn, only 9% of it really helps people who have been negatively affected by COVID. Uh, their, their economics have been affected. They lost their job, laid off, whatever. Only 9% of that $1.9 trillion. As our guest Gary Bauer pointed out, in that package, millions more for Planned Parenthood. Millions of dollars more for NPR, National Public Radio. What does that have to do with COVID-19? But that's who you have 
in Washington, D.C. now. That's the kind of thinking in Washington, D.C. Shirley in Tennessee, good morning to you, Shirley. Go ahead. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Just a few thoughts here. I knew when the states opened up their... Um, and got rid of the masks and, and uh, told people to go back to work, that something was going to happen. And I had figured that maybe Bill Gates and them would release another virus into the atmosphere. But it looks like they want to let 400 and some uh, illegals come in with the COVID so they can drive up the numbers and shut everything down again. And I just had a question for Marsha Blackburn. I'd love to hear her answer. You know, she's so pro um, helping America, and I know she's against the spending bill, which I'm against too. But we could have avoided a lot of this had she, along with Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz, stood up for Trump when he won the election, but it was stolen. But she, as I recollect, voted against him. And so I wasn't happy with that. And I'm just praying for America and asking everybody to pray for this country because I feel that we've got a dictatorship. The person who is in office did not get elected. Same thing happened in Venezuela, and if we don't watch it, we'll fall by their same hands. So I'm praying that the Holy Spirit and Jesus will get in here and rule this country. Thank you for taking my call. All right, Shirley. And I'll tell you what, Shirley raises a good point, and uh, we chatted a little bit with uh, Gary Bauer about this. This HR1, folks, you have got to understand what that's going to do, and I think Gary put it this way. It basically would guarantee that Democrats never lose another election because it takes any kind of control over elections away from the states and gives it totally to the Democrats in Washington, D.C. Very dangerous stuff. You need to be talking to your members of Congress about this. Janine in Virginia. Welcome to the program, Janine. What you got to say? Hey, Fred. Um, I just You asked what can we do, and I just wanted to encourage everybody to contact your senators. Um, I watched all of CPAC over last weekend, and every one of the senators, congressmen, all said it, they really do pay attention, and it really does make a difference. Mm. So um, that was my comment. And while you're contacting your senators, I would also um, mention to them that you want to get to the bottom of the 2020 election, because... I feel like we're going to need facts in order to combat the calls that we're racist for um, demanding to have uh, pure, clean elections. Oh, absolutely. And it goes to, Janine, thanks for the call. Uh, it goes to, once again, to H.R. 1. Uh, you've got to be calling your members of Congress on this and letting them know that this cannot be allowed to pass uh, because it does give total control over elections. I mean, it's, uh, as Gary Bauer was saying, it bans common-sense measures like state voter ID laws. It mandates uh, same-day voter registration. It mandates voter registration when individuals sign up for welfare benefits and other public services, which will result in many illegal aliens being registered to vote. See, so many times, folks, here's what happens. The Democrats put these bills forward. They will not tell you everything that's in it. And unfortunately, the mainstream media will not deal with these points. And that's why you got to call your member of Congress and you got to tell them this is the kind of stuff that's in there and that you want them to do something about it and not just sit there and allow these kinds of things to happen. Plain and simple. Good morning to Jason in Texas. Good to have you on the program, sir. Go ahead. Hey, obviously I'm in Texas and uh, I, I don't live that close to the border, but where I work at is close to the border and 
I've actually come across the site before where I found, I don't know, 20 to 25 abandoned backpacks. It was obviously where illegals were coming through. So my concern is, you know, the federal government refuses to allow us to protect ourselves, you know, by not allowing these criminals to come across the border. I feel terrible for the people that, that live close by, like like the lady we heard about earlier. And, and I have a suggestion on what we might be able to do that, to help fellow Texans. Go ahead. How are we going to help so, I have no idea if this is legal or not. I think they may have tried this before, but, you know, if they refuse to protect us by letting us have our wall, maybe Texas should have our own wall that's not federal, that's, I don't know, two to five miles away from the federal wall. Is that something that's possible? <laughs> I don't know uh, whether, uh, of course, the federal government would probably uh, step in and say, states, you can't do that kind of thing, but it's also expensive. No, the reality is, Jason, I appreciate your comments. The reality is the federal government has the responsibility for the security of this nation. So we, d we don't want to kind of let them get away with what they're getting away with right now under Joe Biden. No, we have to hold their feet to the fire. We have to continue doing what President Trump put in place when he was in office. Build hundreds of miles of new wall that is secure. That you can't take your Ford Expedition like that group did out in California earlier this week and simply drive it through a weak area of the fence. That's the kind of thing that has to be done. We have to hold our federal government accountable to what the Constitution says their responsibility is. And when it comes to the border right now, when it comes to this issue of national security, the Biden administration is failing. And as we've been talking about all morning, the evidence is in. What the Biden administration is putting in place, what they are allowing, is resulting in the crisis that's developed just over 40 days into his uh, tenure as President of the United States. All right, let's get a few more calls in here. Uh, Carl, also in Texas this morning. Good morning, Carl. Go ahead. Good morning. Bless you, Fred. You're doing a good job. Well, thank you. Uh, I just got a comment. I think that this latest thing, like, was supposed to happen yesterday that the uh, people at the White House brought up about they might be some kind of force on the White House again. Mm. I believe they're the ones that made all that up mm. so they can keep people scared, afraid of us poor uh, Republicans, you know. But anyway, that's, that's just my opinion. Yeah, uh, and what Carl's talking about there is that Nancy Pelosi says she's keeping those thousands of National Guard people in place because there's a rumor that something might happen around the State of the Union address. And isn't it interesting, and others have pointed to those, this is not an original thought with me. We have a crisis on our southern border. We've taken away the security there. But Nancy Pelosi wants to keep these thousands of National Guard troops there uh, in place in Washington, D.C. Hmm. Arthur in Oklahoma, good morning, sir. we got about a minute and a half. Go ahead. Yes, I was just thinking, um, Nancy Pelosi was supposed to be in charge of the police and have the building, but nobody's mentioned her. I think they could spin around how incompetent she was, too much, too little, too late. She never listened, and nobody's mentioning her, and including it should be an embarrassment to her that she didn't do anything, that they went into office. That's what I just wanted to say. Why is somebody, you know, calling her out for incompetence? Thank well, uh, here's what has to happen. <laughs> 
people have to stop listening to CNN and the mainstream media because they're nothing more than public relations for the Democratic Party. That's the problem right there. When you do have some conservative news outlets, like we have here at American Family Radio, American Family Radio News, and Fox News, still pretty good, weak in some areas. You may have heard that there is a bid by some Democrats to get uh, Fox News and some of these other conservative outlets uh, try to get the uh, uh, YouTube and others to drop those news agencies. <laughs> We're talking about almost Russian-type tactics here. Getting rid of media that opposes their far-left uh, agenda, radical agenda. So that's what you have going on right now. Um, and it's, I'll tell you what, uh, wake up America, that's all I can say. Do we have time for one more call? Uh, our producer says, yeah, let's go to North Carolina and Claude. Claude, go ahead. Fred, I think that if you announce on the radio, on the air, that people listen to Psalm 37, mm -hmm. give them a little bit of hope. All right. Psalm 37, it's one of the great Psalms that's there. Yes, our hope is in Jesus Christ. But you know what? While we're on this earth, we're also told in Scripture and God's Word to be salt and to be light. And that's what we do here each day on American Family Radio. We're that salt, bringing people to the attention, to attention of what's going on in our country. And uh, we feel privileged to do it, and we thank you every day for giving us the support to do what we do each day here, what Sandy Rios does each morning here at 7 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. Hey, listen, great to be with you today. Sandy, Lord willing, will be back on Monday. In the meantime, some great programming coming your way throughout the rest of this day and the weekend here on American Family Radio. Have yourself a great and blessed weekend. We'll see you again real soon. Bye for now. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.